When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another Jets episode on the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Last week, we had Jake Hatch, producer from ESPN Utah, from the Lockdown Cougars, to talk to us about Zach Wilson and BYU. This week, we had a very special guest, Jay Stevens, from the Lockdown Buckeyes and the Jay Stevens pod and the Lockdown Big Ten pod. And we go through Justin Fields' second pro day, or as he likes to call it, the underwear Olympics. <laughs> or, we let, or we also go through his full tenure at, at Ohio State and how he thinks it'll translate. And of course, we get into other prospects of Ohio State and how he thinks they will fare in the NFL. Alex, what's for et cetera today? It's good, John. For et cetera, we have to discuss some jerk on Twitter who keeps stirring the pot for Jets Twitter. Mark Some stink. Schle- yeah, stink. I don't really care what his nickname is. Mark Schlereth. <laughs> I don't really care how I pronounce it either. But we're going to talk oh. about that in the et cetera por- portion as as well. Oh, dude. The, the, do you know how he got his nickname? We'll get into all that. The best part is is, is that nickname. And also, we'll, we got to get into some Yankee stuff because I've been sad lately, man. I've been sad. Yeah, we, we can get into the Yankees as well. All right, Ricey. Let's go. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another Jets episode on the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. We have a very special guest with us, Jay Stevens, here today from the Lockdown Buckeyes, Lockdown Big Ten, and the Jay Stevens pod. What's up, Jay? What's up, guys? How you guys doing today? Good, Good. man. Good. And as always, we have Alex here, my co-host, who is ready to get this draft over with because he is dying right now (laughs) with the Zach Wilson stuff, the Justin Fields stuff. We miss Darnold still. Things are happening over here. We're all we're still in our feelings on this side. So what's up, Alex? How you doing, man? What's going on, John? What's going on, Jay? And yeah, John's John's got it all right. Look, I'm upset. Been a Jets fan for way too long. Fought, looking for a quarterback. Thought we had in Sam Darnold. Now we're going down this road again. Either, right now, the presumption is Zach Wilson at the number two, but I like Justin Fields too. So I want to. Good thing we got Jay here to 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 dive on into Justin Fields and get the four one on this guy because look man, back at square one we got to figure out if the Jets are moving in the right direction. Who's the guy we got to take? All right, I don't need to be long suffering for long. All right, I want to be happy. I want to be. I want to know I can. I get, we got the guy. All right, so that's what we're doing. Not just for us, but for our listeners as well. So. Right, yeah, because all year long, man, it's been obviously Trevor Lawrence has won. The Jets, we have to lose every single game to get into Trevor Lawrence. We didn't happen. And then it was Justin Fields right there, right? He only lost two games all season long. 
He was fantastic against Clemson. Obviously, Alabama, he was injured. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but his accolades are insane. 51 touchdowns. But all of a sudden, we have the number two pick, and it's this guy, Zach Wilson, out of BYU. So we have Jay Stevens here, locked on Buckeyes. I'm a big fan of his. I was just telling him off. I listen to him all the time, but he doesn't know it. Um, <laughs> <and he's, laughs> we we had uh, we had uh, pro, the Pro Day 2 today, and as he likes to call it, the Underwear Olympics. So... Just let us know what you thought about the pro day just on Justin Fields, and then we'll talk about all the other guys for, uh, in a little bit. Yeah, Underwear Olympics. I've been calling it that for quite a while, uh, even, the, <laughs> even going back to my younger days in high school when I was talking about the combine. These cats are wearing literally basically underwear. I mean, you saw Sean Wade up there with Justin Fields on Wednesday, and, well, there you have it. That's basically what he's wearing. Um, but Justin Fields, man, he killed it. I mean, it's – kind of hard to say he didn't kill it based off what we witnessed from the clips that we were able to watch from Wednesday's pro day close to the media. Um, but you always know, like I said, on the show, there's always going to be somebody out there recording a video, some sound bites to take it back home to rewatch what they witnessed at the pro day. And it was the same way yesterday with Justin Fields. He makes all the throws. The thing that, that impressed me, which is really, I say kind of hard for him to impress me, but he still does. When he was making the throws on the run that were scripted differently than the ones that during his first pro day, he didn't look flustered, didn't look like he was stumbling over his feet, didn't look like his head was in the wrong spot, his shoulders were not placed properly, uh, it doesn't look like he was throwing anything off uh, off balance. These are all things that you may say, Jay, this is a workout with nobody else there, no seven on seven, no team. But your footwork, your shoulders, your eye placement, your head placement, your head placement, the minute details – that's what these coaches are looking at. They know they've seen you perform with everybody there. They want to see how you perform when the head coach of a pro team is 10 feet behind you or 10 yards behind you. And Justin Fields and all of his throws did a phenomenal job on the run, on the move, out of shotgun and under center. A couple things. Now, Ohio State's doing some different things with the offense where he's doing some under center stuff. A lot of guys in college, they can't go under center. And it's been a trend for the past 10 probably 10 years, maybe 15, you get guys in college, they're shotgun only, go to the NFL, get under center, they can't take a snap. So you're seeing Justin Fields drop back three, five-step drop, out of shotgun, on the move, on the run, making deep passes consistently. Dude, he killed the workout. He killed the first one. He killed the second one. And whoever gets him will get a really good quarterback. I like it. I like what I'm hearing, uh, Jay. I like to hear that he has the the footwork, the 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 shoulder placement, everything, because that's what we want, right? As your point, as you're pointing out, we have coaches coming in. They they're trying to evaluate the guy, see how much work they have to do when they bring him in, right? You don't want to have to do this whole overhaul process of all right, now we gotta do the footwork, we gotta get the shoulders. You know, we hear that. You know, Aaron Rodgers had the ball up near his ear and they're trying to say, hey, lower it down. You don't need to have it like you're about to shot put something. And Justin Fields, as you're talking about right now, he did that today. He demonstrated that today. Love it. I love everything about it. The one thing I really love about him is his athleticism. You know, I really want to get into this like right off the bat, because when I watch field, when I watch film of Justin Fields, I see a guy who's able to make not just one or two reads, but he's able to go through all of his progressions every single game. And I think that gets underrated with just his athleticism. When you watch him this year, do you see him do that? Is it, am I seeing that correctly or, or am I making something bigger than it should be? <laughs> no, no, he does go through his progressions. 
there were some times, I'll be completely honest with you, where it seemed like he struggled against certain defenses. Not your mediocre, your average. There were times he did kind of struggle a tad. But the struggles aren't the way that maybe the mainstream media that is putting out all of this nonsense right now is saying Fields can't get past his first three. He can get past his first three. He can go first, second, third. He can. Um, so, no, you're seeing it correctly. He can make his progressions and move from one to two to three and do all of that stuff. Um, I saw a, th- a number today, Pro Football Focus put out, that Justin Fields, after the, um, the yard marker, down 10 yards down, down the field, he was the most accurate uh, quarterback in, the, in college football. So it's like, if you want to look at stats, he's going to kill it. Going to look at this, the eye test. He's going to kill it. So, yeah, he does get through his progressions. So, now you're seeing it correctly. Some people may say he doesn't. I think what they're seeing is not what's coming out of their mouth. So, they're embarrassing themselves saying, I see a flaw. <laughs> the flaw that I said I say that I see is not the flaw that I actually am seeing. Very confusing, <laughs> I know. But a lot of guys right now, and, and on tomorrow's show, um, on Friday's show, Locked on Buckeyes, I want to like do, go, on, on a, go on a rant at the end of the show based off of the way that – People in the media and these analysts are really embarrassing themselves because they're talking and what's coming out doesn't make sense. They may see the same thing you you and I are seeing, but it's just the way they're portraying what they're seeing is confusing and getting a lot of clicks right now. Yeah, you don't have to say it. I'll say his name. It's Chris Sims, all right? We all know who it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Fine. We, we know that Justin Fields, again, I alluded to, he has the 51 touchdowns in 2019. He was offensive player of the year in the Big Ten, quarterback of the year, like the Heisman stuff, the finalist this year, offensive player of the year. We know all that, right? But And he has the stats. But now we're going to start talking about the eye test because, I, Jay, you watch the games, and honestly, I watch the games, okay? And he struggled against Alabama, obviously, but that we'll, we'll put that away. He also struggled against Northwestern, and he struggled against Indiana. And... Those are the times where he wasn't in shorts. And I, I'm, I'm going to throw it up to you again because you said he was working out of the shotgun in the underwear Olympics, which I agree with you. But the problem was he was always in the shotgun. He was never under center during during the, the, uh, the season. So when he has pressure in his face, he just turns it into a normal quarterback, someone who is going to turn over the ball, honestly, in the NFL. And... I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, our listeners know, and honestly, anyone who ever talks to me knows, I don't trust quarterbacks from Alabama, and I don't trust quarterbacks from Ohio State. So I know that's a stigma, and I know it's ridiculous, right? But um, it's it's not because of the hat you're, you're wearing. That's, that's not the issue. The issue is you have five star recruits, and you're playing Rutgers. You know what I mean? And then and then on the other hand, you're struggling against Northwestern Indiana. So talk to me about Justin Fields and his struggles. So I'll do the one first that when we talk about the national championship, the Indiana, the Northwestern, then I'll discuss the one that I have seen ever since he stepped foot and played at Ohio State that I don't think it's getting a lot of attention right now, which is shocking to me because it's been his biggest flaw to me since he's been at Ohio State. So this year against Alabama, against Indiana, against Northwestern, I'll do the first two games before going to the Alabama game because I got to kind of build up to that one. Indiana yeah, and Northwestern. That, that one's like Alabama. You know what I mean? It's Alabama. No, it's, it's fair. Yeah, yes, yes. But those the issues he had in the first two games, that was kind of some of the issues he had in that last game as well. Um, even though Trey Sermon did get hurt. It's, so the Indiana game, Northwestern game, these are two top five pass defenses in the two top five defenses that totally in the country. Pass defenses up there, total defenses up there. So you look at the name, Indiana University, Northwestern University. 
you get wrapped up in like, oh, these are bottom feeders. These are trash. These are horrible. Pat Fitzgerald has been billing a monster. They've gone to, I believe, two Big Ten championship games in the past three years. Indiana University, Tom Allen, just got an extension. I think he's getting paid four and a half mil a year. He's building something there in Bloomington, Indiana as well. So those two coaches, those two uh, or um, um, schools, they're not known for anything in football. So if you see them against Justin Fields, you see, wait, that's Indiana. That's Northwestern. They should suck. What you don't, what a lot of people don't say is Northwestern has two defensive backs that are going to be, I think, top 10 picks or uh, first round picks in the NFL, dra- NFL draft. You have Indiana, who has a plethora of talent. Yes, my Mike, uh, the, the quarterback who escapes me, uh, Ty Freifogel, and some of the receivers, they get all the attention. That defense is what kept Indiana in so many games. So going back to those games, if you're going up against a top competition, how do you look? Justin Fields was up big in that game, and the entire team let off. But at the same time, I think the coaching staff during some of those games let the foot off the gas and kind of backed up and were playing passive, not aggressive. So it was a coaching thing. To me, it was a player thing in the Indiana game to where it's we're better than them. We should beat them by 30 points easily. But the problem, the coaches and players backed up, and that's where you saw Indiana start to come back late in the game and Phil's making mistakes. He made a few bad throws in the game, but with him in pressure, you can go back to game one, Nebraska, uh, Penn State. You can go back to early in the season as well, before the Indiana game. Phil's with pressure in his face, up the middle. I don't know a quarterback out there that's going to be really, really good with pressure right up the middle in their face. They're going to, they're going to do what Fields did, turned his back, and run around. I remind people, he is a college quarterback, and college quarterbacks are not perfect. But pressure up his face, that hurt him against Indiana, and Indiana has such good defensive backs that at times, late in the game, when they needed a comeback, they he, they were able to make really good plays. Fields didn't run didn't run as much as I, would, as I thought he should. He didn't throw the ball away like he should. Those are two things that I said all season long. Another one. And I'll, I'll skip the Northwestern game because this is a little bit of a longer uh, answer. Northwestern, the same way. Um, Northwestern's defense, front seven, they did have a, a couple of really good linebackers as well. Um, Big Ten, uh, all-conference, uh, all-American. So you're looking at the They were name. at him. They were, at, they were on him. They were Dude, on him that game. All game. They're yeah, on, they were on, on him that on game. game. Yeah. So I, I do believe that part of the thing with the Ohio State offensive line the Michigan State game before the uh, Big Ten Championship game, which is in, which was supposed to be a Michigan game, and then, the, and then that game in between Michigan State. Well, they had Michigan State game. They had players down with COVID, didn't play against Michigan. Then they had the Big Ten Championship. I think the lack of practice, preparation time hurt them. But at the same time, feels the pressure up his face and his inability, which irked me so much, to not throw the ball away and live, and live to fight another day, not run and utilize your legs. Bro, you're running a 4-4. Like, I don't really get all like worked up over 40 times. You're running a 4-4-4-40. It would have been a 4-4-5 if you didn't stumble, maybe 4-4-1. That's fast. That's blazing fast. Use your legs on the field to get a first down. If you go back and watch the games, he didn't run that much. The Alabama game, he got hurt because the running back on the on the field got hurt. So your running game, Master Teague, I don't know what his deal is. It's missing wide open holes. So if he has no one run game, he's one dimensional. And Alabama has Christian Barmore, who was killing everybody in that game, who's going to be a top pick, I believe. Uh, first round pick, I say top pick, first round pick in this year's draft. It's a problem. 
So you go from Indiana with top DBs. You go from Northwestern has a couple guys that are uh, all uh, top top linebackers in the conference in the country, top DBs as well. Alabama, a guy up front who's killing everybody. You're not you're not at full strength on the O line. So many things working against him. And the one knock I have had with Fields that I haven't said much during this answer at all. I know it's longer. Justin Fields holds the ball too long. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody on TV is not saying that. Go back to his front to his first year at Ohio State starting. He holds the ball too long. And that's been my biggest gripe. If he had better timing, even if the plays are coming in slower, the issues against Indiana probably wouldn't be there because his clock is quicker. Oh, a couple of seconds, I got to move. Run for a first down, throw the ball away. Second down is now instead of second and 15, you had second and eight, no sack. Okay, perfect. You're good. Let's keep going. So that's my biggest thing. If he throws, if his clock internally, mentally was quicker, feels to be a different quarterback to me. He may be rivaling, uh, be up there with Trevor Lawrence to be the number one quarterback in this draft. But pressure up the middle, not throwing the ball away, not utilizing his legs, hurt him against the top, the better competition, and holding the ball too long, his internal clock or mental clock, that hurt him as well. Those are the things that hurt me. Him holding the ball was probably my biggest gripe and complaint with Justin Fields, because if you speed up your clock and find a way to do that in college, walking into the NFL and having a sped up clock is going to make the transition so much easier. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the whole thing about the NFL. You have like three seconds, right? Do you think his process in holding the ball that long is him trying to, I don't know, try to create something out of nothing for most of the, most of the time, try to go, uh, I hate using the name, but Cam Newton just, you know, just trying to scramble, trying to look for something downfield. I mean, Sam Darnold kind of did that same thing in U- at USA USC too, where he would hold the ball for a little bit too long, scramble, look for someone downfield. Is that what Justin Fields is trying to do? Or do you think it's just a mental thing that he has to work over? So the first year, I think it was a mental thing. Um, first year starting in college, different different uh, uh, offense, different coach, uh, different scheme, different players. I truly think the first year, it was just more of a processing thing to where he was just trying to process everything properly. And in turn, when him trying to do that, he held the ball too long. I don't know if he didn't trust himself. I don't know if he didn't trust his receivers. I don't know if he trusted the defender to be better than what the defender was. I don't know. I think it was a trust thing. This year, I thought it was hero ball. And you noticed in the last segment that I mentioned that he did not run like I thought he should, and he didn't throw the ball away. Too many times... I think he was trying to make the big player, move the ball down the field with his arms to win the Heisman. Now, I'm not the first one to say that. I think uh, Ryan Deere or somebody else said that that was inside of the, the team. But I think it was too much hero ball this year. And if you can go back to early in the season, especially the Indiana game, bro, run the ball. Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, these guys are college football legends because they use their legs. There are so many quarterbacks. If Johnny Manziel had no legs, you wouldn't remember Johnny Manziel, the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big fan, Johnny Manziel fan at Texas A&M anyway. But if he, did, if he didn't have his legs, nobody would talk about him. If Just, Justin Fields has his legs, we know what he can't do with them. But he didn't do it. And I think he knew to win the Heisman and to be a better pro prospect, I have to showcase my arm. And occasionally, Absolutely. not maybe on purpose, um, not just subconsciously, I am playing hero ball. So I do think the first year was a little processing, a little trusting. Um, This year, I think it was more hero ball. I did notice, though, I'll make this quick. That Clemson game this year and the beginning of last, year, see, last year's Clemson game, 
when the offense is sped up, that's when Justin Fields is at his best. And it and that's the one thing that's curious curious to me. I wonder why that wasn't the game plan every week. If you know your quarterback is best when things are sped up and you can take away a, some of his limitations by just speeding the game up and playing up tempo, why wasn't that something we saw every single week? So I, I'm, like I said, I'm not an NFL scout. I, I don't do that at all. I watch games. You guys watch games. We a lot of times see the same thing, portray it differently. I don't know why the game was not sped up more prior to Clemson. I do understand and I do think Ryan Day was holding back a lot in hopes for Michigan and a Clemson rematch this year. And we saw that against Clemson. You can't hold back, man. You can't hold back at all. It's just college football. You don't know what's going to happen. Urban Meyer lost to Purdue. Urban Meyer lost to Iowa. Urban (laughs) Meyer lost to Michigan State. Urban Meyer, I think, lost to Virginia Tech as well. Urban Meyer has losses to teams that you shouldn't lose to. Luckily, Ryan Days have only come to Clemson and Alabama in his first two years, one loss in each year. Will he lose this year? Will things get sped up? Different quarterback, different players? I don't know. But for Justin Fields, he was helped out when that thing was sped up and the pace was go, 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 go. And you don't give the defense time to set up and to put the proper look on the field to slow you down. Jay, I mean, you're saying you're not an NFL scout, but I'm telling you, you sound like one or I don't know because you sound exactly. What you're saying and what we have been seeing and talking about all season long has been this, it's exactly the same and it matches up. We're not talking about his off the field. Does he care about football? None of that stuff. My big, my biggest problem with fields this year has been the hero ball stuff to, you know, in your, in your terminology with me, it was driving me nuts because everyone was open in the middle. Everyone was open underneath Ohio state was open. And that's why I'm always like, all right, yeah, sounds good. He has 50 touchdowns. He could throw it 11 yards every single play and nobody's going to do anything. And that was, that was my whole gripe. And then the holding the ball too long. Yeah. I, I agree. Like I, I could see that too. And also, you know, we can get into it. She has Trey Sermon there. He has Wyatt Davis hanging out. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, Josh Myers even. And that, that to me is what my biggest gripe was. So the, the, just really quick, the Clemson stuff. I, I agree with you. The only common denominator I see in the Clemson games is when the linebacker, Scal, got uh, tossed both times. As soon as he got tossed, Clemson, like, completely fell apart and Justin Fields exploded. So once, like, the, you know, his, you know, QB protection guy, the guy that was going to spy on him all game once he was out, Justin Fields exploded. So, you know, kudos to him. Like, I'm glad Ohio State's able to do that. But to me, it's not like, wow, now he's going to be my franchise quarterback. Because, you know, shifting now to the Jets, right? Like, we have... No offensive line, man. Like we don't have Wyatt Davis against the Rutgers. Like you know, and 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 we we have the wor- literally the worst guards in the league. And obviously, we're hoping to change that. But the, and, and that's like where our fear comes in. So before we just get into that, do, are are you familiar with Zach Wilson? Like, do you want to compare him to Justin Fields, or do you want to just stay away from that? I haven't watched enough film on him to kind of compare the two. Um, I just I'll, I'll yeah, that's fine. Respectfully pass on that one. That's fine. You know, and, and that's fine. Cause like, that's really where we stand, right? Because we watch Ohio State games like everyone else. Cause it's yeah, on yeah. TV. Like no one's watching BYU games. So like, that's why we were at too. That's why we just kind of wanted to know, uh, if you had a perspective. So I just kind of want to know you. We talked about it. We have Sean Wade, who was at, who was at the mm-hmm. pro day. We have Trey Sermon. We have Josh Myers. Was he at the pro day? Did, did Myers go? Yeah, I know he, he wasn't was, reported, but I think he was there. Yes, um, so so the first Ohio State Pro Day, I believe everybody was there but 
Sean Wade, Ohio State had two pro days. Yep. Um, Sean Wade was still recovering from a turf toe injury, which is why he was there at the one this week. Yeah. So, which is not uncommon, right? I know we have the I know we have the weird Corona stuff, but usually we have the scouting combine and a pro day, and then there are extra workouts. Yep. So yep. having the second pro day is nothing insane. Mm -mm. It's nothing too crazy. Do you do you see a, a do you see a special fit for Justin Fields in the NFL? So now we have, I mean, we have already the Jaguars are gone at one. Presumably he's going to go two or three. So do you, I mean, you watch every single Justin Fields game and you don't have a, you don't have a stake in the game. So where do you think that Justin Fields fits better? And before, before you get into it, what's been driving me absolutely nuts. And I have to just get it off my chest because I've been yelling at Alex literally about it all week. <laughs> Ever says that Kyle, like that Justin Fields fits in a Kyle Shanahan offense and then doesn't mention Michael Floor, it blows my mind. It doesn't make any sense. They literally came from the same exact place. So what, like, so like, I, I hate, I hate that aspect of it, but I want you to tell me like whether you see that, I guess with the Jets or the 49ers here, but also what you, what you see about his package, right? His like shotgun package under center, uh, with those two teams. So if I'm Justin Fields and I want to go to a NFL team, I'm always I'm going to go the 49ers versus the Jets automatically first. The 49ers have had more success recently. The Jets have a new head coach, which isn't a bad thing. Don't get me wrong, not not a bad thing at all. But the 49ers have had more success recently. Have more pieces there on offense that'll help him. And when you have George Kittle with Justin Fields or any young quarterback, a good tight end is going to be his best friend. Maybe it's going to be deep over the middle or short. He could always be somewhat of your security blanket in Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. Don't uh, uh don't matter who it is. Uh, Davis Mills. I'll go down the line. All these quarterbacks. They would they would really be helped by having a good tight end, a really good tight end on their offense. So that's just me initially, as far as the first two teams there, second or third pick. I'm going to say one thing quickly and then get back to this. I don't know why Justin Fields keeps dropping or falling in the draft. Um, you watch these guys watch the film. The scouts, these guys, analysts that are on these networks, I don't believe, I sure hope they're not being the mouthpiece for other NFL teams, but if they are, it's really being shown right now because they're really embarrassing themselves by what they're saying. If they're not being paid or being aided by these NFL teams to try to say these things, I don't mean to say paid, but stuff happens under the table all the time. They're embarrassing themselves because their analysis of said quarterbacks is not really been that good so far as far as, oh, Trevor Lawrence, we won't talk about him. We won't knock him. We'll knock Fields, put him around the QB5. We'll raise up Mac Jones. Watched, I, I'm not, I, I, I like Mac Jones. Don't get me wrong. But the whole like up and down, up and down, the slander, slander doesn't make any sense. But if I'm Fields, I want to go to the Jets. Now, here's an interesting thing to me. No, excuse me, the 49ers. But here's an interesting thing to me as far as like how I view rookie quarterbacks first through four years. So me personally, I analyze a quarterback or any player. It goes to the NBA as well. Your first three to five years, you're going to find out what kind of player they're going to be throughout the duration of their tenure in said league. So for Justin Fields in this case, first three to five years in the NFL, you're going to find out what kind of quarterback and football player he's going to be in the National Football League. So with that being said, I expect there to be some type of issue, growing pains, years one, year two, year three. Baker Mayfield, people are knocking Baker Mayfield, and someone said, Baker Mayfield, this is your, all the pressure's on you. Um, it's put up or shut up time. Well, if you go back and look at the context, 
Baker Mayfield has had three head coaches in his first three years and also had one interim head coach in the three years as well. So in three years, he's had four guys calling the shots. Um, Hugh Jackson got fired in the middle of his rookie year. And then I want to say Greg Williams was interim head coach. Freddie Kitchens coached 16 games, got fired, had the most success under Kevin Stefanski, who will be there this upcoming year. The only head coach that Baker Mayfield has had in back-to-back seasons, back-to-back offseason, might I add you. So I think we lose sight about the situations and the context of quarterbacks. Robert Sala, I hope that he is there for a long term. And if they do draft Justin Fields, I hope that it is a pair that lasts five to six years. That is a marriage that can be sustainable. And if they are on the same page, if they work together, Justin Fields can have success there. The team put the right pieces around Justin Fields on offense formulate the offense around him, and then also on defense, get the right pieces there on defense as well so the Jets aren't the laughing stock of the NFL right now. That's a great way for that to work out. So no matter if it's the 49ers or the Jets or the Falcons a couple of picks later, doesn't matter to me, but a lot of with fields, it's going to be, it's going to be sustainability at the head coaching, offensive coordinator, quarterback position, and other pieces around him. One thing that helped Fields from year one and year two, he had Ryan Day the entire time as his head coach. Different quarterback coach in the two different years, but Ryan Day, an NFL guy, is what helped Justin Fields in his progression from year one to year two. You can knock whatever you want from Fields, but having Ryan Day there both years really helped Justin Fields in this past season, or maybe he would have been a big problem. Ryan Day was there to be level-headed and to help him stay consistently the quarterback that he was. Nice. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, I totally agree with you, Jay. That quarterback. I mean, this is you're talking. You're preaching to the choir at this point. Being Jets fans, having quarterbacks, switching head coaches, seen it all. Okay. We had Mark Sanchez. You know, he was. He, that was probably the only last guy that was here through his, the entire uh, head coach quarterback mm-hmm. tandem. Mm-hmm. And then we had Geno Smith, who came in with Rex. Geno Smith got, goes. We get Todd Bowles. Then we had a mix of. Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, with <laughs> Sam Darnold coming in. And wh- who, who's the, uh, Josh McCown was Bryce here for Petty. a little bit. Bryce Petty. I mean, and, so and, guys, and, man, that's a lot. And, and Todd Bowles career uh, or tenure, I should say with the jets is when he got Sam Darnold. Then Sam Darnold loses him, loses his offensive coordinator. We bring in Adam Gase, which was just, I I hate Adam Gase. I'll that's just the only that's blank. the only head coach that's the only head coach he actually lasted two years with was Adam Gase. That's what, that's yeah. what Sam Darnold got. <laughs> yeah, and he got poor the guy. Worst what did he do, worst. man? What did he do to deserve cold for Christmas? I know, right? It's just terrible. So trust me, we get the whole. It, it takes a good head coach, quarterback, and above all, like a good GM overall management, right? Because you want all of them to be together. And they're really the three units outside of the CEO, whoever owns the team. Those mm-hmm. are the three guys that are, all right, what do I need? What does is, what is my quarterback need? What type of weapons? Does he, does he need a running back? Does he need a wide receiver as a GM? Let's go get it. And then the coach, you know, they talk about the playbook, go forth, say, hey, this is the what's the stuff that you like to run? What, what do you feel comfortable doing? So 100% agree. You know, we, have, we didn't see that with Sam Darnold. And hopefully if it is Justin Field. Fields, or it is Zach Wilson. That's what he gets too. But my question for you about Justin Fields, what type of offense does he, does he fit in? Is it like a West coast offense? Is it a quick, uh, quick action offense that, you know, you know, uh, what we have with, uh, it's Michael for, right? 
I go back and get the, I get it confused because it's Mike and Matt, and it's like two M's. It just confuses me. So Michael Four, as we know from the Shanahan tree, likes a quick offense, quick release, get it out of there. Is that the type of game that Justin Fields likes to play? I know you said he like he worked best when he was in this up like a high tempo offense. So would you do you think that type of West like a West Coast or a high pace offense? What do you think is the best fit for him? I think West Coast wouldn't be bad at all. Um, I think the one thing with Fields that I mentioned earlier, I'll reiterate once again. No matter if you have a have a um, uh, like a not a West Coast style, but more traditional offensive set or or a uh, West Coast style offense, speeding things up for Fields has always been his best thing. So it doesn't matter the type of plays that are being called. Getting on the field and running them quickly and not allowing the other defense to set up is what really helped him be successful in that Clemson game. So if it's a West Coast short, quick style of pass, that'd be a, that would probably be ideal because you won't have the problem, which I think Justin Fields did have at times that I didn't mention earlier, where sometimes zone defenses cost him fits because the pre-snap, pre the defense looked at Ohio State, saw the offensive line where sometimes old linemen do tip off and show you where they're going to go. You got receiver doing the same thing, tight end, same thing. Formations, running back. How is his feet? How are his feet set? How are his shoulders turned? I mean, these are like little like nerd details, but in the NFL and college, those details tell you so much about the play. And when Fields was able to be sped up, West Coast style, let's, let's stick right there with, with that and get on the field and go, 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 go. And the mental aspect of processing like a computer, the way Peyton Manning was able to do in the NFL, he would get to the line, say 5,000 different words, and then say hike and run a stretch play. That was the original play. Confuse the defense, go out of their original set, stretch play to Edron James goes 8 to 10 yards, and everyone's like, what did Peyton Manning do? Absolutely nothing. He just confused the defense. It didn't change the play at all. So that's, you have that side of Peyton Manning. You have Justin Fields, the computer aspect in Fields' head. I do think when he doesn't have to go to class, he'll be able to process things better. I mean, it's maturing as a quarterback, maturing as a human being. These are all things that we normally do. Think about it. If you're, if you're a, a business owner, the first two years of you owning a business, you're making mistakes every day. Now, they may not be the same mistakes. You may be, have less mistakes, but you're making mistakes consistently. Why? You're learning. You're eight, you're nine, you're 10. Those early on mistakes, you're not making those. You're hopefully, hopefully you're not making <laughs> your eight, your nine, your 10 because you're maturing and becoming better at your craft. Same with fields. I do believe a West Coast style would be good. The issue you mentioned to me earlier, and I don't know how quickly the Jets are going to try to fix this. The guards that you said the Jets have that aren't the, that aren't good at all. Yeah, literally the worst in the league. So early in the season, very quickly, I'll say this. Early in the season, Ohio State had a new tandem at, I think, left guard. I forget if Josh Meyer started two years or not. But left guard Harry Miller was new, and he messed up the chemistry that center, center Josh Myers and right guard on the opposite side, Wyatt Davis had, because Harry Miller was the weakest link on the offensive line early on. You'll see it up in the, up the middle. You'll see pressure up the middle. Uh, Tackle twists, um, double A gap blitzes. I mean, these are all all the things that linebacker coaches are like. Oh, I like this. I can go up the middle. Hey, LBs, do a twist. Go up the eight. Go double A gap blitz. I'm like, wait, are you serious? Yes. Well, that's what we saw. So with Fields, you may see growing pain early and say that let's just assume. Let's just assume for your guys' sake, Justin Fields goes to the Jets, and let's just say, unfortunately, they don't replace the issues with the guards. There's going to be growing pains early on in the season. No questions asked. 
that's no that's no quarterback. That's not just that's just a quarterback thing. Not if it's Trevor Lawrence, not if you got Peyton Manning rookie year who was trash, or you have yeah. anybody else out there, you're gonna have issues if you're if you have pressure up the middle consistently. So that's one thing to keep keep in mind with Fields with any quarterback. You gotta fix the O-line and make things quick for Fields, or at least early on, so the processing does not get slowed down and the holding onto the ball aspect we mentioned earlier. Is it something that lingers into the early portion of his NFL career. Okay, awesome. Jay, Jay is, he, is he better than Haskins, Jay? Oh, college Haskins or pro Haskins? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, both. That's what I'm saying. Like, I watch the same games that you do. Like, I watch Haskins all, like, I don't know who's better. And I'm watching Haskins on the Redskins, like, oh, sorry, the R-words or the Washington football team. <laughs> and they, he stinks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and like, and was he better than, like, yeah, answer both because I think he might Haskins might have been better than Justin Fields a little bit at college, you know, showing some sparks here and there. And he stinks in the NFL. So what, what are we talking about? And then everyone made fun of the Giants, you know, how can you skip Haskins? This and that turned out, turned out to be okay. So is that, is that the case here too? It's very close. Well, I, I'm, a lot of people, Ohio State fans have said that Field, no, Haskins, no, excuse me, Fields is the best Ohio State quarterback ever. Okay, prison of the moment, that's your argument. I'm not here to do that. Because if you want to go dissect play-by-play-by-play or game-by-game-by-game, I think Haskins has a really good argument as far as quarterback-wise to be just as good as Fields. Fields is a better runner. He is a more dual threat. And so Fields is going to get more attention, especially nowadays he can run and he can pass. Haskins can't do that by skill set alone. Fields is a better quarterback. But Haskins had something at Ohio State that nobody else could really stop or slow down. Um, I think he what? I don't know if he had 50 touchdowns. It was at least 40, 45 plus. He had a lot of touchdowns at Ohio State. And I think the thing was he already knew the system. He and the players, they already knew they already knew Urban Meyer. And everything was just it was just set up for him to succeed and come in right away and fulfill that role. On the spot, just being completely honest with you. I can't say yes or no, Fields is better, Haskins is better. I don't know. I think Fields has the ability to be a better pro early on because mentally, I think he's more mature early on at this stage in his life than Haskins was at that stage in his life. Maturity is a big thing. If Haskins was mature, he wouldn't be doing all the off-the-field stuff. He would be doing more stuff, um, preparation for games, and he wouldn't have the same mistakes that he had. So I, don't, I, I, I personally back off of questions like this because I don't it, it spur the moment. I can say, oh, it's all feels, man. But then again, I, I go back and look at it. Well, maybe Haskins was good. I back off. But there is an argument to be made about which quarterback was better. Two different skill sets. But one flourished at Ohio State in one year. I didn't think he was ready for the NFL after one year of starting. But he left. Fields came back. I still think Justin Fields could be aided and helped by another year of college, just like I think Trevor Lawrence could as well. I do think that staying in school for both those quarterbacks would help them. But if you're going to be the projected number one overall pick, I understand it. Go get your money, young man. If you're, if you are, if you should be the second overall quarterback taken in the draft, I say should be. I understand it. Go get your money, young man. Don't listen to all the naysayers and everybody on TV. Justin Fields should be QB2 on everybody's boards. That Haskins Fields thing, I got to look into, into that a little bit more because that's actually an interesting discussion about which one was better at Ohio State. You can look at so many games for Haskins. He didn't have some of the issues that Justin Fields had. Yeah, because it's so close, that's what scares me, Alex. That's what scares me, man. 
And because it's so close to Haskins, like, are we drafting Haskins at number two? No, well, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that at all. Um, okay. I, I wouldn't go that far. But at Ohio State that way, I would lean towards fields but without properly going back and looking at both. I can't say which is which, but I don't think you're drafting Haskins. Um, maturity level alone feels as more mature. And so I think is- that's part of the reason you're not. Skill set wise, let's, let's just say they came in evenly as far as skill set and how they were um, projected to be an NFL quarterback. I think Fields mentally and maturity lifts him over Haskins that way. So I think if you do get Fields, you're not getting the same quarterback as Haskins. Um, situationally, the rest, the Washington football team, and then also the Jets <laughs> at the top. I had to double check that. No, you did, oh. you did better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, man. I when we started this podcast, I was saying I said like two, three episodes in, I was like, "Oh my goodness, I'm killing myself here." <laughs> but the, the Jets and the football team, they both have issues. They both have had issues, and they're being exposed right now. So I do think maturity wise, feels is more mature. It all depends on how the coaches can implement and help Fields as a pro. I don't think Haskins was all in, and I really don't understand. I don't know if Jay Gruden and the other coaches in Washington are really trying to help Haskins like they should. I do believe Robert Sala, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, is Mm -hmm. trying to and wants to be best, not best friends, but be the kind of coach that Fields needs to be successful. He's probably more all in than Jay Gruden was in Washington. And you bring up a really good point, Jay, is that, Maturity is a big thing when it comes to a quarterback, right? How much do you, how much work you put in, and that's just in life in general. How much work you put in is what you get out of it. So if Haskin goes in with a party mentality, uh, immature mentality that he just wants to have fun, he's making money, and so forth, this, that, and the other, you're not going to get anything out of him. But if Fields has the mentality like, I want to be a pro, I want to go play, I want to make something at myself, out of myself, I'm fine with that because – at the end of the day, if you're going to work hard, you're going to be somewhat decent, good somewhere. And in the NFL, just to win one, you don't need to be Tom Brady. You just need to be good in the NFL just to, just to do it. All right. But I, I do want to ask you one question because you mentioned the name Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think uh, this is my question to you. Is it more of an Urban Meyer thing that Ohio State had bad development of quarterbacks because as you point out right now, the new head coach, and I'm not a big college football guy, so I don't know the name of the new head coach. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned that they played Alabama and Clemson. Clemson first, then Alabama. Back-to-back years, lost two, two college football teams that are just up in the upper echelon of ranks. And so is Ohio State. I, I get it. But when we're talking about national level, it's always, well, here's Alabama, here's Clemson. And you have Ohio State that's not too far in, in the near-off distance, right? Do you think that Urban Meyer was probably – uh, some someone that held quarterbacks back in their development in college and had them and gained them in in the pre- preparation of getting them ready for the NFL. Do you think that could have been an issue? Yeah, because Urban Meyer's office doesn't translate to the NFL. You go okay. back to Alex Smith at Utah. He's the only quarterback you talk about that Urban Meyer had that really flourished or had any type of decent NFL career. Urban Meyer coached at Bowling Green, I believe, in Ohio, went to Utah, went to Florida, stepped back, went to Ohio State, stepped back, and now he's back coaching again. Chris Leak, I better I better say quarterback arm thrower than Tim Tebow. Nobody talks about Chris Leak at all. You got Tim Tebow. Can't throw the ball at all. You got JT Barrett. There was nobody's 
not on anybody's radar as far as being an NFL coach. Cardo Jones, third string quarterback. Braxton goes down. JT Barrett comes in, gets her. Cardo Jones comes in, does a phenomenal run. Cardo Jones was not an NFL quarterback. He was really helped by his three-game stretch when he first came in and was thrust into his starting role. Uh, Take that away. He killed it, bro. <laughs> if he comes back, if he comes back in and he starts the following year without the previous year, nobody talks about Cardo Jones as far as being an NFL quarterback. Braxton Miller. Now, Braxton Miller was a Jim Trestle guy, not an Urban Meyer guy. But Braxton Miller, I think he was. I'm pretty sure that was Jim. Jim Maybe Jim, Jim Trestle. But Braxton Miller was also a guy that said, I can't play quarterback in the NFL. I got to change positions to wide receiver. Had one year at Ohio State at wide receiver, played maybe half the games, went to the NFL. He's out of the league right now. Can't play quarterback, can't play wide receiver. Urban Meyer might be, might be, a, might be a factor. And I've actually thought about that before because he really is more of a – his quarterbacks run a lot. They don't really – and even Alex Smith back in like 04, 03 – Alex Smith was not running your traditional pro-style offense. It was more running, using your legs, all of that stuff. Urban Meyer, as much as he will say, oh, he's a good coach. He has his offense. He does this. He does that. Development of quarterbacks, as he is the CEO of that organization, of that school, Urban Meyer development of quarterbacks, development of that position alone is not good. You can look at running backs. You can look at receivers. Look at other stuff all you want to. The quarterback position, people say that Urban Meyer is this great offensive guy. Good in college. Quarterbacks in college that he has, they work in college. Not so much in the NFL. I wonder, and I, I thought about this a little bit, but not much. I wonder how Justin Fields would be viewed or how he would have played if Urban Meyer stayed in school. If Urban Meyer was still coaching at Ohio State after the Rose Bowl win, after he stepped down, after the 2018 season. 2019, Ryan Day steps in. I wonder if Urban Meyer was still there. I wonder if Justin Fields would have transferred from Georgia to Ohio State or if would have transferred from Georgia to another school if Urban Meyer was still the head man in Columbus. So, and I want to follow up with that because Cam Newton was on that Florida team, right, with Tim Tebow, and he transferred to Auburn. So this is where I'm thinking that maybe the bad juju that you have with quarterbacks from Ohio State was an Urban Meyer issue because, as you pointed out, if you're not running anything close to a pro-style offense, what can you gauge? You have to do a complete rewire of the athlete that you had there in your system, right? This is where – and I'm just going to laugh because yeah. he's coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I know they're taking Trevor Lawrence. You know, We all know it. And I, I cannot wait. And I don't want anything bad to happen to Trevor Lawrence. I hope he can move out of Jacksonville and go get a better career. But I just know. <laughs> he hasn't even gotten drafted he, yet, Alex. <laughs> he, trust me, man. Look, trust me. He's going there. Urban Meyer is not passing up. He's, he's looking at his chop like, I got the prodigy. We're going to make it work here. And then he's going to try to do something silly, okay? Uh, I, it just has the right on the wall. <laughs> Guess what, Alex? He, does, he doesn't have five-star recruits in Jacksonville, man. And he's not going up against Rutgers. Like, like that's, that's the best way I can put it. I, I, I really don't mean, like, it's funny because, like, Rutgers is, like, our, our local, you know, college here. Like, that's where I would go watch Ohio State. Only the first half, of course, <laughs> because by the second half, it's all over. There's no point being outside anymore. But that's really what it's all about, Alex. I thought that was a great question because it's all about, you know, the competition. And I, I really want to talk about the other five-star recruits, you know, on Ohio State that we keep alluding to. 
And the, the Jets are not just missing a quarterback, man. We need another running back. We need a quarterback. We need, we need guards, like we mentioned. We need linebackers. We even need a kicker. And what's cool about Ohio State is you guys have all those all those coming out. It's not like BYU where you have, you know, one QB and then that's it. A bunch of undrafted guys. So what do you project the highest player to go after Justin Fields? Highest player to go after Justin Fields are probably Wyatt Davis is a show. Wyatt Davis. I think Wyatt Davis is a first round talent easily. I don't know why I'm keep seeing seeing second round grade. I know offensive guard is not as needed of a position. No, excuse me. Not as important of a of a position to a lot of people. Well, just in general. You got your quarterback, got your got your uh your rush in or D end. Um, you have other left tackle, you have those positions that you have to have a guy at. I think Wyatt Davis is a guy that's being slept on, it's, it's being is going to keep falling back. And he's going to make some team really, really happy. So to me, it's probably Wyatt Davis, um, late first, early second. I keep saying late first. That's me personally, where I think he should go, not where I think he will go. Uh, but, but Wyatt Davis, this is probably going to be, and there's so, so much talent at Ohio State, I got to try to make sure I don't overlook anybody. It's probably going to be Josh Myers next. And a center going off the board next as I heard one person say, he might be their top interior offensive lineman. This is an NFL draft analyst saying this, knowing that right next to Josh Myers on the line is Wyatt, Wyatt Davis. Davis. That's yeah. how much, that's how high they think of Josh Myers. It's probably going to be Wyatt Davis, probably then Josh Myers, and then probably either Pete Werner or Baron Browning, one of the two in whatever order. I don't know, but it's probably going to be Wyatt Davis if the Jets could somehow get Wyatt Davis on their team. It's not only going to be a help to Justin Fields as he has one of his teammates right in front of him blocking for him, but also an, a, a help for the running game because I describe Wyatt Davis as a people mover, a mauler, a brawler. Um, some people call him a slob. When I was in high school, they called the lineman hogs. I mean, whatever word you want to describe, somebody that moves somebody consistently, a pancake machine, that's Wyatt Davis. And I do believe that Wyatt Davis going to that – Right guard position um, would be amazing if the Jets can get him. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think somebody in the uh, – my hope, for his own sake, somebody snags him in the first round and gets a steal because all these analysts say he's a second-round get grade. Watch the tape. He's a first-round grade, guys. I've don't been worry. literally yelling at Alex all season long about yes, why he has. <laughs> Like I, all John has been talking. Text morning, day, night, <laughs> afternoon, lunch break. Wyatt Davis. I kind of guy. I like that. <laughs> He's like, yo, we need John. Like myself, we appreciate offensive line. One, not because we've seen how bad it is for the New York Jets, but we get it. We know that yeah. the guys up front protect the guys in the back and make everything else happen. Those guys, the front five, they help. They give the quarterback the time to make those deep, deep ball throws. The guys up front. Open up the whole holes for your running back to get through. Okay, the one, the two, the zero, whatever hole it may be, we get we get that. So Wyatt Davis, people mover, pancake machine, give it to me, man. I'll take it all day, every day. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I again, I'm like, I, I'm probably the biggest Wyatt Davis fan that's not from Ohio State. I promise that's you. A fact. That's um, a fact. No, that and, is a, tattoo it on his head. You can put Wyatt Davis <laughs> on his forehead. And but and here's my problem, and here's why I think he is dropping. One, I mean, of course, like you said, not a premium position, even though it is a high need. And mm-hmm. as we as we all agree, I agree with you. But number two, 
that knee injury. I mean, my heart broke. And now he's an injury-prone guard, whether we like it or not. So do, do, do you think the injury uh, problem is an issue? And... I'm going to I'm going to double I'm going to give you a compound question. I know I've been doing that all day, but uh, I'm going to ask you, do you think he could fit in the Jets wide zone as an injury prone guard? You know what I mean? That scares me. So I'll do the first one first. I'll try to make it quickly. Uh, I say it all the time, but I, I, I'm so long winded, guys. <laughs> Take your time. Take your time. We're enjoying so it. Take your time. I, most injuries like, OK, so I'll say another one. Trey Sermon. I don't think his injury history is going to be a problem. If you with him, because I don't because he wasn't overutilized in college at Oklahoma or Ohio State. Trey Sermon got hurt at Oklahoma running back at Ohio State, got hurt at Ohio State. He is healed from that uh, injury. I think it was a collarbone or a rotator. I think it was collarbone injury he had in the Alabama game. He is healed from that. I don't think it will hurt Trey Sermon, just like I don't think it'll hurt Wyatt Davis. And I have to go back to Trey Sermon. Most people listening or listening to this will have watched that national championship game and saw how he went down early in the game. So that's why I mentioned Trey Sermon, more prominent figure, a guy more na- a name more people will know. So I use him for as an example. I don't think it'll hurt him. I don't think it'll hinder him at all. Wyatt Davis is more of an inside zone guy than an outside zone guy. So I do believe if it is a if outside zone scheme stays, you're going to find there's going to be a growing pain or a uh, a progression or a period of um, issues, that's fine. Not a problem. Like I mentioned with Fields, he's a rookie. These are expected. You're not going to have a Tristan Wirfs like you had at, well, I think it was Tampa Bay, where he comes right in and kills all season long. That's not going to happen at all. It's rare. So, Davis, it, it, I do believe, and it's for anybody, there's going to be growing pains. I mean, think about it. Let's just say, now I'm not saying it's going to happen, John. You'll know this name. Let's just say for some odd reason, Tough Borland gets drafted. I don't think he's going to get drafted at all. But let's just say for some odd reason, Tough Borland gets drafted and he's going to be somebody's middle linebacker in the rotation. Say linebacker in rotation. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem right there with the, with the, with the <laughs> yeah. progression. Um, you're, you're expecting some issues. <laughs> expect the same thing with Wyatt Davis. Um, With Tough Borland, expect more. Wyatt Davis, expect less. I, I, I'm not trying to knock Tough Borland. I I just don't think he's going to be that good in the NFL. You're a linebacker running a four nine forty. Sorry, sorry, dismiss me on that. I don't think it's going to be good. And he's only one of four linebackers for Ohio State coming out, so it's really fine if one of them doesn't get drafted and gets on a, on a practice squad. Dude, imagining imagining a multi year starter at linebacker for Ohio State and being the one guy on the outside looking in in the draft. Like that's literally what we're looking at right now. It's <laughs> tough. That is tough. It's okay. We had Darren Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Man. That's tough. That's a tough memory, Alex. I'm sorry. I just had to <laughs> talk about Ohio State linebacker. We you, watched it. <laughs> he had that one good think, season, and he had P, think, uh, PEDs. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! He was so bad. Do you think Pete Warner, Browning, or Hilliard are gonna, are gonna be able are gonna make it, or do you think they're kind of gonna wither in like Darren Lee and just be really good college linebackers and just kind of fit into a system? So I think Werner's going to make it. I think Werner is um, being slept on drastically right now. Uh, I'm going to say this right. Hope you guys don't hate me for this. I think it's because of his, I know you guys won't. I think it's because of his skin color. I think if he was black, it would be completely different. Um, a white linebacker running a four five. Wait, what does this guy do? Like, what is he on? Is he on? Is he on something? Um, I I'm not racist, guys. Sorry, I, I got to, I, I had to lay that out there. But I do I do think that um, you said he, Redskins before. You said Redskins before. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I do think Werner and Baron Browning can make it. I think Hilliard, we talked about injuries earlier. I think Hilliard injury history is something that on the medical, without the normal medical testing at the combine, I think Hilliard's medicals is going to be one thing, the first thing people are testing once he gets drafted to try to figure out what's going on with his body and if he can last two or three years in the NFL. He played six years. He had a six-year career at Ohio State, was derailed by injuries, could have come back next year if he wanted to, didn't start. Uh, he started a few games this past year due to COVID and injuries. Um, and when he came in, he flourished. I mean, it was almost like, why is this guy on the sidelines? Your, your, te- your team's better with Hilliard on the field. I understand your love affair with Tough Borland, but if you have Hilliard, Browning, and Werner on the field at the same time, you're more versatile. And defense and opposing offenses don't want to see that trio at linebacker for Ohio State. So I do think that Hilliard, his injuries may actually hurt him. Um, but I think it's probably going to be Werner, um, then Browning, then uh, that's what I hope. That's what I, that's just my wish. Um, I could see Browning going before Werner or vice versa, but I do think Hilliard will be the third linebacker taken off the board for Ohio State. Okay. I actually hey, agree. I agree with that. John, you know better than I do. You watch more college. I mean, Jay knows, Jay's Jay's been watching all the games. So, I mean, he's been covering it all, but I I agree with him. I I think P. Warner is nice. I mean, I know Jay watches all the games. The man does walk on Buckeyes. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) But, I, I mean,. To be to be honest with you, Jay, like to talk about uh, to to bring race on, like for the color of your skin when it comes to football. That's I mean that's a real thing. So I, I it is. Look, it we is. we we know. Look, Lamar Jackson was supposed to. He came in as a quarterback. People were like, oh, he had to be a wide receiver. Why did he have to be the wide receiver? Well, well now he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. You know it's what's weird, thing. man? Like, now that you say that, I've heard nobody say Justin Fields needs to be a wide receiver at all because it's they know how bad that quarterback. Would, they know how Lamar, bad Lamar that Jackson broke that ceiling, man. I'm not a big Lamar guy for numerous reasons, but he did kind of he did kind of break that mold a little bit, a little bit. You're you're yeah. That I never thought about that honestly. I never did at all. What's yeah, his no. name? What's what's the guy's name? Uh, I can't believe it's slipping my mind. Who's the guy that said it? The old the, the old guy from the Colts. Bill is it Bill Polian? Bill, Bill Polian, yeah. Yeah, Bill. What, Bill. Yeah, like Alex. He, like Bill Polian cannot say that again. You know, nobody no. can be a Bill Polian. He got dragged for years. He's still getting dragged, especially because Lamar won the MVP. Yeah, yeah, he had, right, that was a tough month. And, and, and rightfully so, he should get dragged, okay? And that's ki- kind of like where it comes to Justin Fields, too, to, to a certain extent, because black quarterback, it's just a different way. They're trying to package it a different way. I don't want to make it a whole big thing about this podcast, but it's real. It exists. Look, we, heard, we all heard what happened with Trevor Lawrence and his pops today uh, on commitment to football. If that came out for one second for Justin Fields, it's all it, – he drops to the third round instantly. There's even bigger questions like, should we even draft this guy? His stock plummets. And if people don't believe that's true, you're fucking insane. I'm sorry to tell you. You know what's, you know what's weird, man, about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields? Just to go back to that little conversation. They played each other twice. Now, I know the quarterbacks aren't on the field at the same time, but there's an argument to be made. I know for sure this past year, Justin Fields played better than Trevor Lawrence. And some people have said in the first matchup, Justin Fields was neck and neck with Trevor Lawrence in that first playoff game. And a lot of people aren't knocking Trevor Lawrence in the way that I think they should. Nope. If you want to dissect a bad performance, dissect that playoff game that lost against Ohio State 49 to 28. Think about how drastic it is. 21 point loss. You are 
in the ACC. You were really, really close to beating Notre Dame without your starting quarterback. You come back, you beat them, I believe, in the ACC championship game. And now everyone's like, oh, Trevor Lawrence this, Trevor Lawrence that. How about he had a lot of talent, just like Fields did, just like Mac Jones did. And we don't know what Fields is going to be as a pro quarterback. I'm more on that back part. I don't, I don't know what kind of quarterback Fields is going to be. But let's just be honest. Nobody knows Trevor Lawrence, what kind of quarterback he's going to be. Just like when Cam Newton transferred from Florida. I think, if, I think Cam went from Florida to a JUCO, then went to Auburn, but he still went to Auburn. Nobody knew what Cam was going to do when he was at Auburn. Nobody knew that. We have no idea Cam going to the NFL, how people are going to translate, but you're going to nitpick and pick apart games that Justin Fields has played. Do the same thing for Trevor Lawrence because you'll find against adversity that article that came out, if you dissect that Ohio State game like you should, you'll pick up some of those things in that article when he was on the field. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you, Jay. And I find a lot of that just to be nonsense and noise when they bring it up. It's just it, the, the evaluation of quarterbacks is so difficult to begin with. If you want to go to film, go to the film. If you want to talk about character, then evaluate everyone's character. I feel like it should be across the board overall, 100%. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have, I, I like Justin Fields. I, I've watched film on him. I, I really like his size. I like his speed. I like the accuracy. I like the way he can throw the deep ball to, for the quarterback. I love the other prospects you, you talked about too. John, did you have any more questions uh, for Jay on any other uh, prospects? I mean, Sean, I, I'm not going to be shocked if the Jets somehow end up with Sean Wade or maybe if like Trey Sermon ends up in the fourth round or something, or even Josh Myers, maybe I'm not going to be shocked with any of these guys, like you said, but the one guy I'm hoping to get, because as we know, Joe Douglas is trying to take over the world with six round picks. I'm wondering if, oh, or, you know, he does like to bring in undrafted guys. If Blake Hubel is going to, I know I'm saying that wrong, but if the kicker is going to get a chance on the Jets, because the Jets haven't had a kicker in uh, 27 years. <laughs> so we we need a kicker and he's he's been okay. He had like a 60-yarder in high school. He had he had that he had that huge 55-yarder against Northwestern uh then to the half. Oh, that mm -hmm. was sick. Mm -hmm. Uh so I don't know. What do what do any thoughts on that? I, I don't know how to judge college kickers. Everyone looks like they stink and then like we somehow someone we just find like random kickers, but we the Jets have never found a kicker. We we did we drafted Mike Nugent. That was an absolute disaster in the second round. <laughs> and that hurts Alex to this day. In the I, second round? I, I hate I hate, we didn't even the worst part about it, we didn't have a first round pick that year. So the first player we take off the board is Mike Nugent. And I was like, what are we doing here? It's tough we out here, it. Jay. It's tough out here, man. That's why when it comes to quarterbacks, front offices, GMs, having everything in place, this is probably since Rex Ryan and Mike Tannenbaum, this is probably the brightest it's been in a very long time. And Re Rex Ryan and the Mike Tannenbaum marriage, not Rex Ryan and John Idzik, not uh, Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles, and, and not Adam Gase with Mike McCagnan and the one and a half year with Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas and Robert Salah are, are the first the first unison of GM coach that's bringing somewhat of a light for around Jets Nation. So I I just hate I just I'm so triggered that you brought up Mike Nugent. Oh, <laughs> so angry. That was like the worst time. I'm trying to ask about Blake Hubel, man. 
Oh, ask. <laughs> trying to get us a kicker here. I'm trying to get us a kicker. It's a kicker, man. I have no idea about kickers. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just want to. I just want to find it out there, kind of get that little jab at Alex from Mike Nugent. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> angry. Little, yeah, he seems a little um, so upset angry. right now. To put it delicate, the way- <laughs> you can, you yeah. have, this is the this I'm is the struggle. We ended on that note. I'm just glad we ended on that note. That makes me I, so I got one, I got one question for Jay though. <laughs> one more question. Who is who do you think is the most swept on prospect from Ohio State right now? I'll go offense and defense. Pete Werner and Trey Sermon. Okay. I think if Trey Sermon didn't, if he started all year for Ohio State, like I believe he should have, and I think Pete Werner, due to skin color, which sucks, and I hate, I hate saying that, I really do, but I think Pete Werner's being swept on easily right now. Um, they call him sneaky athletic. They call him uh, a <laughs> guy. I mean, this, these are just word, I guess that's a phrase you hear. I think yeah. Pete Werner's being slept on drastically right now, and I do think Trey Sermon, due to injury, a lot of times because he came into Ohio State, started recovering from an injury from Oklahoma. I think Trey Sermon is really being slept on. I think if somebody gets him late day two, probably late third, late third round would be a luxury for somebody. But if you get him like day three, round four, round five, bring him in, make sure his medicals are cleared, get him on the team. Don't have him start right away. Like I don't think many college running backs are ready to start in the NFL right away. Jonathan Taylor, he had, that's a rare thing. He started, I think, 15 to 16 games or maybe something close to that because Marlon Mack went down. Early in the season, game one. So Jonathan Taylor was thrust into the starting role. That's not normal. That's not normal at all. Wisconsin running backs, too. You know what I mean? But most of them don't translate to the NFL when yeah. you think about it. I mean, you got Ron Dane. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Um, okay yeah. What's the What's the guy before? Um, they had a high trophy winner recently. They had a good running back recently. Um, some of them really don't translate. So Jonathan Taylor, yeah. to start week one, I mean, to start early on and the, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be translatable to go from year one to year two, year two to year three. That's amazing. Yeah, Wisconsin running backs, they do have a um, a track record of producing uh, high-end running backs all the time. But really, Trey Sermon, to me, is being slept on. And then Pete Werner. Um, Sean Wade is – well, I don't want to say Sean Wade's being slept on. <clears throat> Sean Wade kind of helped himself out a little bit during the pro day by how he looked. If Melvin he didn't look like Melvin he Gordon, did in the pro the day. Melvin Gordon. That's, what, that's that, it. That was the guy. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> But I think Sean Wade as well. But no, my two would probably be Pete Werner for being slept on on defense. And then Trey Sermon, the two guys that I'm high on that I really liked watching play. And two guys that I think in the right situation, really situational for them, just like anybody else, they can flourish in the NFL. Nice. Nice. Okay. I'll make, I'll make sure to jot those names down when I re-listen to this pod and uh, look out for those guys and do some uh, do sneaky some quickness like Christian McCaffrey. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Chris, McCaffrey got, Chris McCaffrey should have won Heisman that year as well. I don't know what man, West Coast bias, whatever, but he was easily the best running backs player in college football that entire year. Yeah, all sneaky, all sneaky, sneaky <laughs> white guys. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Jay, it was so great having you on. We really appreciate you coming. We really appreciate your Ohio State knowledge, your unbiased take on the Jets. We really hope to have you on, and uh, I look. I'm. I look forward to keep on listening to you, especially uh, during the season. Are, are you Are you looking forward to anything with this new Ohio State this year? Like I, I know you have the 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 first game coming up, right? Spring game. Spring game's in a couple of days. I'm um, looking forward to really just seeing how everybody plays. Um, I don't put much stock. This is going to sound bad for some people. Like, well, you're an Ohio State guy. Well, you you cover the team. I don't put much stock into pro days in spring ball or spring games. Mm. I do to a degree, 
But like I said on the podcast recently, it's April. The season starts in September. So first, Ohio State's first game is September 2nd. What happens April 17th? Yeah, somebody may move up or down. Somebody may transfer. But deciding who the starter is going to be on April 17th, wait till fall camp in the fall. That's why it's in the fall. It's called fall for a reason. Wait till fall camp. Um, pro days, it's a workout. Underwear Olympics. That has nothing to do about, about – it has something to do about football. But you have so much game tape to watch. If you're trying to look and see how what kind of prospect someone's going to be based off the pro day or the combine, I question you as an analyst <laughs> or you as a uh, NFL coach because I think your priority is out of whack. Then spring practice is good. Don't get me wrong. There is something you can learn from that by learning the playbook. But I, I ain't anybody trying to figure out, name their, their depth chart, April 17th. Oh, we know who's going to be starting when the season's a few months away. Injuries can happen. Players can transfer, as I do think there'll be a lot of players going into the transfer portal um, at the end of April after all these spring games are played as t- coaches and, and teams start to really figure out the hierarchy as far as quarterback, the depth charts. Not saying they're going to be set in stone, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the spring game just to see the players play again, uh, put fans fans and players back in the horseshoe. And I think about 19,000, a little over 19,000 fans will be in the horseshoe. Only 4,500 to the general public, might I add. Ohio State very, very picky about uh, first responders and students, all that stuff. And then General public, you and I only get a little, uh, a, a minute 4,500 amount of the tickets that'll be there. Uh, the fans that'll be in the horseshoe. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing football. Um, I like basketball, got it on TV. I watch more baseball now than normal. Something about football, something about college football, something about Ohio State football that I love and I like watching every game. Uh, long answer to say that I just ready for the game on Saturday. Yeah, you're All this spring game doesn't matter. You are hyped for this spring game, Jay. I don't know so much to tell you. You're hyped for this you spring game. You listen to the show. I get hyped for just about anything. Uh, if I want to rip somebody, I get hyped. If I if there's a good play, I get hyped. If somebody gets dunked on, I get hyped. If an Ohio State player gets gets embarrassed, I get hyped. I, mean, I get hyped for just about anything. Trust me, guys. There's a rant coming on Friday's show at the end of the show that you'll want to listen to. It'll be more of this, just more of a high octane, maybe talk a little bit faster than this. Um, trust me, you, you'll want to check it out. We'll be Love there. it, Jay. Jay, we love the energy that you bring. Once again, thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate the insight that you not only gave for Justin Field, but everyone else on the team that's an NFL draft prospect this year. So please let our listeners know where they can find you and all the work that you do. Alex, John, really appreciate it, guys. You guys can follow me on Twitter. At J Steven 7 J A Y S T E P H E N S, the number zero and the number seven. Um, a few podcasts that I'm on, the J Stevens podcast, my baby. I've been doing that for almost two years now. You can check that out. Comes out every Monday, every Thursday. Just interviewed a former Butler University basketball player, Kyle Marshall. Um, that episode dropped on Thursday morning. And then also locked on Buckeyes daily every Monday through Friday. Um, Apple, Spotify, Google, every listen to podcast, check that out. There's a YouTube page for Locked One Buckeyes as well. Go over there, check out the video, subscribe, all that good stuff. Then every Monday on Locked On Big Ten, myself and Ben Stevens, we call him Big Ten Ben. We do a weekend recap of whatever's going on in the Big Ten, primarily basketball, football. We haven't gone out and done baseball or softball or volleyballs on TV right now. We haven't done that, but basketball, football related, myself and Big Ten Ben on Locked on Big Ten. Same place you can get this podcast. You'll catch that one as well. We do a phenomenal job of going around the Big Ten and recapping the weekend. And him and I have started doing shows together, just having him come on my little bit, me going his. 
have a good chemistry, really good chemistry. And so we have fun in our own way on that Monday show um, talking about Big Ten athletics. Awesome. Awesome. So all of our listeners out there who, who are into college sports, basketball and football, make sure to go check out Jay's work. Jay, once again, thank you for coming on to our podcast and giving us the 411 on all Ohio State prospects. Really appreciate it, my man. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Jay. All right, everyone. And we're back from the break for the et cetera portion. John, that was a great interview, first of all, with Jay. So thankful for yeah. him. Really, really very insightful on Justin Fields and all the other Ohio State prospects coming to the NFL. I really like the I really liked his uh low-key draft prospects. I'm gonna have to go back and really take a look at them. But John for et cetera, we have some did, did he change your mind? Did he change your mind? On Justin Fields over Zach Wilson, did he, a rapid reaction before before you spend the next week and a half. I think they're kind of at the same level for me. In all honesty, okay. right now, okay, they're kind of at the same level. All right, um, okay, honestly, it's Zach Wilson who's come up to Justin Fields, so now I'm just kind of I'll, I'll be happy with whoever we take at this moment in time. Fair, but fair. let's get into the real reason for etc. and the real gripe that you and I have because there is someone on Twitter by the name of Mark Schlereth. <laughs> I don't even care how you pronounce his name right. Or as you said, his nickname is, and I heard his nickname is Stink, and you can go into how he got the nickname Stink because I don't really know. And in all honesty, I now really don't really care, but I really want to actually let you just tell our listeners how he got the nickname Stink. And then we can go into what he was doing causing a ruckus on Jed's Twitter. Well, Alex, you guys' nickname is because he literally stinks. You know why? It's because when he used to play football, he used to pee himself. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to elaborate. Wow. So this, <laughs> yeah, guy, so this you'd so, love it. So this is the guy who legitimately <laughs> pees himself, is coming at Jet's Twitter. And for those of you who are not on Twitter and understanding what this guy does or what he did, he works for Fox. He's a, an analyst. I don't even know if you can even give him the title analyst because the way he just broke down the Jets on the Pat McAfee show was just horrendous because his essential, his his premise is so basic, and this is what it is. If we draft Zach Wilson, he'll be thrusted into the same situation as Sam Darnold. Wow. 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 <laughs> and so from there, before I even get into that, from there – Jets fans, I didn't even see that many people upset on Twitter. I didn't even see that many people go at him on Twitter. But then he decides to make this what others might may find as comical. I find stupid. He goes into a rant on how he was successful and how the Jets aren't successful and how the one the one the one time the Broncos when he was on the Broncos beat the Jets. And he's just essentially showing all of his Super Bowl rings on his finger and telling the story of like how he got each Super Bowl ring. And then he gives the middle finger while telling the middle ring where they Broncos had to beat the Jets, which is essentially giving Jets fans the finger through Class social act. media. Class act. Great guy. And then even we retweeted saying how stupid it was. And thanks, bro, for the interaction. Um, we We just said – you know, what about your quarterbacks? You know, you, you we act there. He's acting like the Denver Broncos have been so great at drafting quarterbacks. 
Or and develop well. Did they develop John Elway? Is that what happened? Did the Denver Broncos develop John Elway? Is that what we're taking credit for? No. Get out of here. <laughs> like, give me a damn break. Like, nobody developed John Elway. Nobody developed Peyton Manning for that one year. You guys don't develop quarterbacks. All we did was point out your first and second round picks that you drafted as well. And then before we really get into this, John, then he had to retort because he's just so angry. And he comes back at Jets fans and just say, take this L that we're losers. Because he's so cool. You're not cool, bro. All right. Let's get, let's break, let's break the first thing down first because he talked about whoever we draft is being thrust into the same situation. How is this the same situation? How is having a new head coach, a better GM, everyone's aligned? The organization's now shifted. It's not the GM and the head coach reporting to the CEO, Woody Johnson. It's not that way anymore. It's now CEO, GM, head coach. That's different. New head coach, new GM, better GM at drafting. We're not spending crazy amount of money on free agents. No more true main, no more levy on bell, but yet it's the same situation. <laughs> no, dude, what, what drove me nuts is that he likes our coach. And, th- and this is what I'm getting to. He even <laughs> said in his whole rant where he gave us the finger that he likes our coach, right? So one so of his favorite you, players, so, one of his favorite people in the NFL doesn't just like him, Alex. One of his fa- leader of men. Leader of men. This is what, <laughs> and this is what I'm getting to. So how is it the same situation? You didn't say that about Adam Gase, did you? I guess it's different, right? I don't know what you think about Rex Ryan. I don't know what you think about Todd Bowles, but you're saying it's the same situation? How is it the same situation? How is it even remotely close to the same situation? If you want to go attack, this is my thing. If you want to go attack the Jets and you say you just don't trust ownership because ownership seems to be meddling, that makes sense. But to say that it's the same situation is just stupid because guess what? We haven't even gone to the draft yet. What if we draft a plethora of linemen? <laughs> They're actually good. And it's whoever we have, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, actually has, has an O-line. Is that the same situation? No. So I had issue with that because it's lazy analysis for a guy who considers himself an analyst. Second, second, I want to get, we're going this in order. Second, he wants to talk about Robert Salah, who he praises. Okay. You like this guy, but yet it's the same. How does that even make any sense? <laughs> what did you hit? Did anyone like Adam, Adam Gase? What, how does that even make any sense? That is the dumbest shit I ever heard in my life. <laughs> We, literally the dumbest shot. I no, there's really no there's coach. really no logical pattern. That's what bothers me. He's just I, he's just yelling. I love your head coach, but it's the same situation. What your new head coach? He's my favorite. One of my favorite people in the NFL. Leader, Leader of, of men. men. <laughs> that that blew my mind. He said that, and it wasn't he, like I know, we didn't like pull that out of like a 2019. Like on that same exact video, he said that. <laughs> so wait, are you telling me Adam Gase was a leader of men? I know he does. I know he doesn't think that. I know he doesn't think that one bit. So that 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 just changes everything. So now you got to tell us a story about how the Broncos and you won three Super Bowl rings. Yeah, bro, cool story. You won three Super Bowl rings. By the way, uh, it'd be good if you cleaned up your tweets because that's all you talk about is how you have three Super Bowl rings and you won. <laughs> um, seems a little shallow, lack of thought, but just because you have three Super Bowl rings. Doesn't seem like it's enough for you because uh, guess what? You're coming at a fan base. You're legitimately upset at a fan base. Are you actually, actually, I want to even know, are you legitimately 
upset at a fan base? If we had Ricey on the show, I know if Ricey gave the clatter meter, which he did give us, it's <laughs> 11 out of 10. Because guess what? You're just looking for engagement to drive up your followers. Because guess what? I'm sorry, buddy. No one's eating that terrible chili of yours. I don't even want to <laughs> see it in stores. It's probably sold. Probably Walmart would even hold that thing. They're probably not even a bodega, okay? A respectful bodega would hold that chili. So please stop making it. Last thing I want to get to is that this man who's so upset tells us to hold this L and says that we care too much, but yet you came back and made a second video. <laughs> yep. Not not one. You could have left it a one and one there. Hey, now man, you made a just second for clicks. video. Jets for clicks. He saw the, second, he saw those clicks, dude. A, a second video. Sequel. Second. The sequel only happens when the first one's a blockbuster hit. That's a fact. Jets for and clicks, baby. Jets for clicks. Jets for clicks. He did it. Said, hold this L. We're not holding anything, buddy. Because guess what? You're the one out here looking like an idiot. <laughs> and you have no quarterback. The, pro- the funniest, the funniest, honestly, the funniest part about this whole thing, Alex, like, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm not annoyed at him. Like, he, he is doing his whole stupid stick with the three rings and him giving us the finger kind of like lowered the bar for me. So, like, I don't really respect him as this big Super Bowl. You know, yeah, he's he won some Super Bowls, but he's I don't really respect him. Like he literally just came up and gave gave us a finger for no reason, like to the fans for no reason. We didn't do anything. So the the funniest part of, about this whole thing is he wants to start this beef, and now he's upset that we're upset with him. Okay, sounds good. The whole the whole thing is you have no quarterback, man. You're making fun of us because we can't develop a quarterback, and neither can the Denver Broncos. And who? Here, here's the joke about this whole situation. So they won two Super Bowls. By the way, they went to six with Elway, and they only came out with two. Uh, very impressive <laughs> I mean, to get two. I'm not, I mean, I'm not knocking it. Yeah. I'm just saying, let's just, let's just leave it there. They went to six, came with Elway, came out with two. More than Jets. Uh, Jets got look. Jets got three. Jets got one. Broncos got three. One with Peyton Manning. Two with Elway. I'm not trying to take away from what the Broncos franchise, the franchise history. They got more Super Bowl rings than us. That's a fact. Are they a better ran organization than us? Debatable. Because guess what? They hired Josh McDaniels. What did they do? They gave Brett Favre 2.0 on what they had in Jay Color, who was looking pretty promising out in Denver. They traded him to Chicago. Got rid of Brandon Marshall. You gave Brandon Lloyd nobody, but yet you draft Tim Tebow? You draft Tim Tebow. You draft <laughs> Tim Tebow. They won that playoff game, huh? They won that playoff game, Alex. They won that one, that one <laughs> against the Steelers, and then they got smoked against the New England. Tim Tebow talk. They won that one playoff game. A one playoff game with Tim Tebow, and you got smoked by the Patriots. And then guess what? You guys sucked, all right? And guess who came in to rescue you? Peyton Manning. Because if Peyton Manning didn't need neck surgery, he would have still defense. been in. Huh? It was the oh, defense. But hold on, no, I'm not. I'm just saying they wouldn't have had Peyton Manning to even help them be relevant if he didn't have neck surgery. And the Colts are like, we got to move on. We got a transcendent quarterback in Andrew Luck. If that wasn't, if the stars weren't aligned like that, you don't have Peyton Manning. Let's call it like it is. And you're lucky that he chose you. And then you get Peyton Manning. You lose to the Ravens, right? Did they lose to the Ravens? They lost to the Ravens, right? Before they went to the Super Bowl that year, they lost the first year. They lost the first year with Peyton Manning. They come back. They come back. They go to the Super Bowl. They won in Jersey get, too, in Met in MetLife. They lost. Oh, they in, lost in MetLife. They lost Seattle. in MetLife to Seattle in our stadium. Isn't yeah, that comical? That, yeah. And they got boat raced by Seattle. 
boat raced. Yeah. First one out of the game. I remember it. Snap into the end zone. They resurrected oh. the they, they actually created the Legion of Boom. It was created that day. Hey. They got boat raced. It wasn't co- Peyton Manning took you to a Super Bowl. And you could even win with Peyton Manning like that with the high octane offense. High octane offense. He had what 55, 57 touchdowns that year, but they couldn't win. So now, how do they win? Oh, Von Miller and a stout defense take on Cam Newton, who had an MVP season and decided not to show up. Cool. No, I mean, cool he stuff. showed up. The, the, the that defense was crazy. But yeah, I the, no, 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 no. Bothers I'm, me about I'm talking about Cam. I'm talking about I'm talking about Cam Newton didn't show up that game. I'm saying I'm saying he he tried. Yeah. The, 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 he, the defense yeah. was a stout man. Von Miller was on a whole. That defense was insane. Day. Peyton Manning was throwing ducks. They were going back and forth yeah. between Brock Osweiler, Peyton Manning. Tough, tough. But you're going to tell me then after Peyton Manning, it's like Brock Osweiler is the next guy. Yeah, the whole thing, the, 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 the unmitigated gall to say that you can't, that, that, that we can't run an organization and, and make a quarterback. Meanwhile, you're running out here with no quarterback. Since John had, Elway drives me nuts, dude. It really does. He comes back. He comes back with Joe Namath. You had Elway. <laughs> can't even <laughs> say Peyton Manning. You can't even say it. You cannot. He did not win. He did not. He did not win you that Super Bowl. That defense. Went. Peyton Manning was throwing ducks. He was injured that season again. But yet, you want to come out and say the Je- the Jets can't draft quarterbacks? You didn't. You didn't create Peyton Manning. You didn't do. What did you do to to get Peyton Manning? You got lucky. You were set up. You had the offense. You had everything. That's why I chose you. You had the offense. You had the defense. It made sense. But yet you want to come at Jets fans, Broncos fans now want to come at Jets fans saying, ha, we don't know. Who was Drew Locke doing? Oh, dude, we got the receipts because we're, we're going to see him this year. We're going to see him this year. Don't worry. That's, don't what, worry. That, that's why I'm laughing at this whole thing. We're going to see you this year, buddy. And honestly, that might be my away game this year. I think I have to go to Denver, Alex. I really do. I think I have to go. Might be mine, too, because I know my buddies <laughs> were talking about I, I, like, this is comical. It is comical to even see Broncos fans in the in the mentions saying, you guys haven't, who have you guys created? <laughs> I know. Everyone who's been six, six we mentioned Joe, it's like, uh, uh, I saw one response. Well, two of those guys are Super Bowl winners. And it's like, Trevor Simeon oh, and Joe Ford. My favorite one was that was the Ripian, the, 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 the talking about the Thursday game where they had uh, that third oh, string. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And just like claiming that. Like, okay, good job, guys. Yeah, cool. Yeah, great. You, 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 beat, you beat Adam Gase. <laughs> yeah. Everyone beat Adam Gase. <laughs> Dude, the, the media's been on one, Alex. The media's been on one. Uh, Shannon Sharp just came out today blaming Joe Douglas for uh, drafting Darnold, uh, for, <laughs> for, doing all, for, for doing all these things, for drafting another quarterback. For, and then, like, none of it is true. Shannon Sharp has just been on a tear, man. Oh, <laughs> he's just yelling stuff that's just not true. Literally, not true he, he literally he just yelled about the Jets today and how we're, we're because the Mark Schlereth thing is out, and so now Shannon Sharp is commenting on it and he's kind because of agreeing with him and he's saying, yeah, you know, they do the same thing every year. They just draft quarterbacks here, there. The GM is doing this, and now he has to get it right. He was saying he has to get it right with Zach Wilson, or he's going to get fired because this is the second quarterback he drafted. Dude. Weren't they teammates? They were. That's good why. point. Good point. Like wait, wait, wait. mystery I'm, solved. I, I'm I'm like so not even like paying attention to that. Just not yeah. even paying attention to that. The, everyone mystery against solved. the Jets. Everyone against the Jets. Let's just t- touch on that. Everyone against the Jets saying, "Why would you want to be a? 
Why would you want to go to New York? Why would you want to go to Jacksonville? You bring up that point all the time. Why do you want to go to Jacksonville? <laughs> Dude, they're literally trying to make more home games in London. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Why do you want to go? The, the media, it's like the Knicks for clicks. It's because New York, we have larger fan base, more engagement, all this other nonsense. And I'll say this. It's it's really a low bar. Like to even that's not it, there's no analysis and there's nothing remotely close to substantial from any of this. So it's a very low bar to clear. Uh, people keep engaging. That's why like when we said should we respond, I was like, no, I do not want to drive with this guy's engagement because this is the this is the best clout chase I've ever seen in my life. It's just no, it, was fun, yeah, it was fun. It was fun for a day, and uh, once you made the second video, I was I was done. The second video is too much. I mean, it's that's just terrible. Just terrible. yeah, and it, it's so hard. It's so hard to piss us off, man. I mean, the Knicks are doing amazing. We're excited about the Jets draft. The Yankees haven't been doing much though. They've been killing us. I don't want to, you know, get too long winded about it, but. Aaron Boone needs to clean it up, okay? I don't care anymore that Brian Cashman is telling him who to who to bat and the analytics this and and he's just a pawn. I'm, we can't do that again. We can't do that for a whole year and we can't go into the offseason with it. I know you want a lefty batting third. I get it. Do that. But don't bench DJ when he's coming back. You can't bench Stan on the same day. What are you doing, man? Odor is now our second baseman. Jay Bruce is at first base. That's what we're doing in a rubber match against the Blue Jays. Like we're killing in a division. What's happening? I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm. Trust me. <laughs> like go through my messages. I am the. It's only April guy. That is. My, that is. That is my demeanor. It's only April. Just take it easy. We only had one good April, and that was when A Rod hit 14 home runs. And then, and then we, and we had one good April when Teixeira decided to turn it on because someone told him it was May. And that, was, that, was the only, <laughs> that was the only two times that we've ever done well in April. So I get it. After Cole, I don't know what's going to happen, man, because Kluber is looking tough. I told you. You asked me. You asked me when the end of the Yankee season, should we bring back Tanaka? I said, yes. You're right. Kluber's tough right now. Okay, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Kluber, as always, his velocity gets better as the year goes on. But his velocity has been terrible the last couple of years. been injured. I don't know if he's going to come back. Gumby, Jordan Montgomery. I call him J-Mo, but now we have a guy named Jameson. So I can't call him J-Mo anymore. <laughs> so I guess I'll call him Gumby or, you know. Jordan Montgomery, I, I, J-Mont, I like him. I I actually I really like him. I went to, I actually went to the game. Uh when he uh not this last one, his uh first start. His changeup is unbelievable. Last week he did not have it. No problem. I need to see more Devi Garcia. I need to see Domingo Arman. I need to see these guys because if not, something has to change. We Dude. can't we, we can't we can't go into the offseason with a one man rotation. Even our bullpen, our bullpen was unstoppable. Even though we can't get a starting pitcher past five innings, not named Garrett Cole, they're unstoppable. But at some point, they're going to collapse. 
Yeah. And that's the thing. We can't keep going to, <laughs> we can't go to relief pitching all the time, man. We can't keep going to like what your starters are supposed to get you past six innings. You know, the relief at is least, always, at, at least. least these guys are supposed to come in seven, eight, you know, you have your setup. If it gets really bad, you start going to your bench. But it's not even getting real. It's it's getting really bad, and we're not even through April yet. That's the sad thing. That's the sad, sad, and that's concerning because for a while, Yankees pitching has been a concern before we got Garrett Cole, right? CC wasn't always great towards the end of his tenure here. Tanaka was the only guy, and then we had Tanaka and Cole, and we we need solid pitching. I feel like it's been so long since we had just one through five where we just know day in and day out that this is what we're going to get. Legitimately, I feel like the last time we had a solid five was when we had, and I'm going to hate saying this name because after it was like for load management, he just went downhill. And I think you're smiling because you know the name I'm about to bring up is Phil Hughes. And that year we actually had like freaking five dudes. I love right? Phil Hughes. Phil Hughes and the Jabba rules. Those both, those both are synonymous with me. Fun fact. Fun fact. First year I ever did fantasy baseball, I drafted Phil Hughes pretty high. And this is because I didn't understand. Uh, this is like my like the introduction to fantasy too. This is before I even I did football and so forth. Uh, oh, Chamberlain. Woo. John just pulled out a, a job at Chamberlain uh, jersey. Oh, my God. I remember that. That guy. I was rocking with Jabba, man. I was rocking with Jabba. He was great. Dude was that Indians up- game. The Indians game will always have a, a hole in my throat. It literally put a hole in my chest, man. The, the the midget game, the midges. Dude, that he when he first came on the scene, it was like a hundred and five, just bullet. And I was like, whoa, amazing, amazing. But with but I want to get back to uh, my story about Phil Hughes for fantasy. Tell me how crazy this is. I draft. I think I drafted him like thirteen, like pretty high. Drafted him pretty high. Everyone was mocking me like. Dress Phil Hughes at this point. That was the season he had 18 wins. I was, I think it was 18 wins. I was like, ta da! <laughs> was so freaking lucky. So lucky. People were just like, yo, man, dude. Huh? Yeah, man, he was awesome. And I, I really hate, I'm annoyed with Girardi because when he pulled him out for load management for like an yeah. innings for pitch count, I was like, dude, he was on Insane. fire. Then he came back, he was never the same. I hate all that stuff, man. I hate all that stuff. All, all the, all the exactly calculated stuff. At some point, yes, there is analytics. Yes, make right decisions. But at some point, you have to, you have to just use your brain. You have to be Dusty Baker. You have to, you have to add some Dusty Baker. I'm just like, this is what I see. I need Stanton in the game. I need DJ LeMahieu in the game. He's been struggling and he's finally getting it together. Now we're going to bench him. What's happening? And now we have Higgy as, as the as Cole's catcher, I love it. That's fine. But we're gonna DH Sanchez in the same game, so we're gonna have two catchers going in the same game. Meanwhile, we have Stan on the bench, who's literally only a DH, and we have DJ Lemayhew on the bench. Meanwhile, Jay Bruce is out on the field. Odor is out on the field. Clint Frazier's on the bench. Guardy's in left. I mean, I love Aaron Hicks, but he's struggling. And set sit him down for a game on purpose, not you know a game for personal reasons. I was like PTO. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't like a game for rest. Give him a day for rest. I, I don't. I mean, th- this is my Yankee rant. I'm not in panic mode. I promise. But everybody else is. 
Everybody's on red alert. John Tremzat, John Tremzatramski is. Sorry, I can't pronounce his name right now. He had an emergency episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. New York Radio's on fire. Michael K was going off. Okay, everybody's pissed off right now. I totally get it. Uh, Lindsay at the Athletic, Lindsay Adler, I think her, her last mm-hmm. name is. Like, uh, she she's not happy. Nobody's happy. I get it. I'm not panicking. The Red Sox are doing great. That makes everyone more upset and on edge. The Mets are grabbing headlines. That makes everyone upset and on edge. I get it all. Chapman's looking nasty with his new splitter. Our bullpen is nasty. And that's a recipe for success. We have the hitters. They're going to get together. I'm not worried about it. Everybody's worried. I'm not worried. The only thing I'm upset about is really who's going to be the number two. Because I feel like three, four, five are going to be set up. With, with, a, with a concoction of Debbie Garcia, maybe if Clark Schmidt comes back at the end if we need him, Italian could be fine. You know, Kluber, Jordan Montgomery, we can figure out that. But what's going to happen in like a, out, of, out of five, you know, a five-game series? Who's going to go up after Cole? We don't have that right now, and I'm definitely not confident about it. And we don't win without one. So that's... That's going to be my only, that's my only fear right now is that we don't have a number two. And, and really, Kluber, you're off my number two. Even if Kluber does well, he's not my number two anymore. Oh, no, no, I, no, no, I, no, we're, no. We are missing a number two. Kluber is now fighting for number three with Jordan Montgomery. That's should how, just, in my brain, that's how it is. We should have brought back Tanaka. Yeah. Should have brought him back. He was reliable, man. He was reliable. Someone who's reliable, the best ability is availability. And the dude was consistent, right? He did. He had both those things. So then why not bring him back? Sometimes I feel like front offices get in their head too much and try to be super savvy instead of going the easy route in some ways. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We had the guy. We had the guy. We had two. Two, because Tanaka was our ace for a long period of time. So we really had two aces. Yes, you could say Tanaka's play started to slip a little bit. But he was consistent. You know what you're going to get out of him. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I just – I wish we had I'm so done with this. I'm so done with the Jay Bruce experiment. I'm almost done with this Kluber experiment. <laughs> I'm, I'm annoyed. I, I need Luke Voigt back. He's going to start hitting this week. What about Talkman, dude? Talkman's fine. Bring Talkman back. Yeah, he's fine too. I wouldn't Bring Tanaka be back. Tanaka, bring him <laughs> <Yeah>. back. Look, <laughs> he's playing for the Eagles, man. He, if you say if the New York Yankees get him on the line, say, hey, man, we are sorry. We need you back. I'm sure he'd come back. <laughs> I don't know if that's how contracts work, but yeah, we'll probably start a world war over Tanaka. I'm down. <laughs> bring him back. <laughs> bring my Whatever man it back. Takes. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be in the trade market, so that'll be interesting to see what happens there. That about wraps yeah. it up for. Uh, my Yankees for our little media rant. You got anything else, Alex? No, that's it, John. I think it was another another good episode, another good Jets episode of the Knicks Jets Etc. podcast. So let's Alex, close out here. Yep. Alex, there's one more week until the draft, man. One it's more insane. podcast until the draft. It's insane. Next week will be our last one before. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. I I cannot wait to see what happens because I just need it to be over. I need to know who the quarterback is for the New York Jets. How I would just I just want to say this. I think it's gonna be Zach Wilson. I would laugh my butt off if it's just the fields. Because this is why. The Jets beat legit knows nothing. And I will not 
I know. I love those Jets. You know, we'll get into all that next week. But I love. That oh too. my god, it's it's great. But everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode, another Jets episode of the Nick Jets Etc. Podcast. Please make sure to give us a five star review and leave a comment if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. We are available on all streaming platforms. We're on Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon Alexa, Spotify, you name it, we are there. On top of that, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at Nick's, Jets, ETC, period. Please make sure to interact with us there as well, especially on Twitter. We're always hanging around the, the Twitter streets. We love to see what's happening. In the streets on Twitter. John knows it. Yeah. John knows it. John knows it. It's yeah, okay. we're, we're in the mix. We're in the mix. You know what it is. All right, everyone. We'll catch you later this week for another Knicks episode. We got some more guests. Catch you later. Let's go, Jets. And let's go, Yankees.